0: Hey, so since we're doing Dr. Doolittle, I decided to go out to a park and I came upon a little squirrel. How's it going? Hi, where'd you get your shoes, mister? Where'd I what? Get my shoes?
1: Where'd you get your little shoes?
0: Oh, they're New Balance. I I probably got them at a New Balance store.
1: Hmm. Do you have more of those?
0: Would you like a pair of shoes?
1: Yeah, I'll take them.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to ask... Can
1: I... Do you have them small? My little tiny paws?
0: No, I don't. These are my size shoes. Uh,
1: I untied them.
0: Oh, okay, that's okay. I'll put them back later.
1: <laughs> no, I want them now.
0: You just want to take my <laughs> shoes right now?
1: Yeah, I'm going to gnaw on them.
0: Okay, I, I just want to... I'm wanna... going to gnaw
1: them down so that they're little tiny New Balance shoes for my little paws.
0: Okay, go ahead. That's like payment for the interview. Okay, sure. Okay, I'm
1: going to bite your ankle. No, so don't bite you you my ankle.
0: A... No, ah, Bad ah! Science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or we... Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. This is the show where we dissect a film with a comedian and a scientist. And today we have two extraordinary guests to help me break down Dr. Doolittle from 1998, a movie I grew up with. I absolutely adore and hope that my guests feel the same because if not, we will have a vicious battle of words because we are quarantined separately in different parts of the country. And unfortunately, I cannot battle them in person, but I'm sure that I would win if I did. Anyways, joining us first, he is a stand-up comedian and actor you may know from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I am a huge fan of his. It's Danny Jollis. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you're
1: very welcome, Danny. Glad to talk to you again. It's been a while. I know it's been a hot second. I did Signs my first time on the podcast. uh, Yep, that's right. Which I uh, strongly loved. And uh, I got to tell you, I did not uh, remember this movie very well. And it uh, holds up like a champ.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This movie is excellent. I'm glad to hear you say that. I was afraid you were going the other way.
1: No, I I mean, I have thought, I mean, like, I I will say very difficult to tell what age range this movie was for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but man, it, it does have multiple laugh out loud moments.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I've watched the movie a million times, but haven't watched it in, I don't know, maybe 10 years plus probably. So it's like I remembered a lot of the moments, but also, yeah, a lot of the jokes hit me sideways, especially I think the. Chris Rock lines, the uh, the guinea pig lines, which I really oh, love. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, a, cr- a yeah, crass guinea pig.
0: I mean, so. can't get better than that. And before <laughs> we we hop to our other guest and this film, I also wanted to get an update on you. You have a, a podcast, and I love the title of it. It's called Everything
1: But The Score. Is that right? Yes, that is. That is true. I talk about all the stories around sports, so it's never about what's going on in the field, more about the, the athletes and what they're doing, which was a... You know, a year ago or uh, however long ago when I started it was a, you know, interesting idea. And uh, particularly with what's going on right now, I am absolutely what athletes are doing. It's it's a great show. It's really fun. It's both funny and also, uh, you know we talk about some heavy stuff. Yeah, definitely timely now because
0: there's nothing going on on the field. So it's it's all just uh well ripe for you.
1: Yeah, but we're a week away. I mean, we are baseball is imminent, basketball is imminent, boxing, UFC already going. I'm a huge sports fan as you yeah. can tell. So this is this is what I live for. Um <laughs> sports are sports are flying back. Uh and well, I'm, I'm a
0: huge basketball fan, too, but I don't want to get myself too hyped up. I got to be honest with you. I have a lot of doubts, a lot of pessimism that we will not see sports and it will be shut down the same way there was the whole reopening and now everything's reclosing. Uh, I just think uh, I don't know. I'm, I
1: have my doubts. I've been watching boxing on ESPN and they have held a bubble now for a month and a half where boxers Ooh. are coming in and out with their corners in and out of this bubble. There's constant movement. If you are true to a bubble, a bubble is very effective. You just have to have everyone be true. The issue won't respect be... Respect the bubble. The bubble will respect you. 100%. Bubble works great. The question is, will the NBA players respect the bubble? And that I don't know. No chance. I Definitely not. Already, already two people have been sent to their rooms for eight-day quarantine punishments for takeout orders.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that will continue skyward, I believe. So, I want to get to our other guest. I'm I'm so incredibly excited that he's here. He is an animal activist and conservationist and veterinarian you may know from his Animal Planet show Evan Goes Wild. It's Dr. Evan Anton. Howdy. How's it going, Evan? Uh, it's going going well, man. Thank you. Please. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining Danny and I. Are you excited about sports as well or do, uh, who cares?
2: You know, I I do love the um like the fighting sports. I I really love watching UFC and boxing. And I mean, I love watching other sports too. I don't find myself sitting down watching that often. I've always, I don't know. I've just got other stuff I want to do, but I do like, I I love it. Every time I do sit down or I got friends getting together, watching a game, especially like football. I love, I always have a really good time. I just don't, I just don't get into it, but I, I do, I do enjoy it for
0: sure. So have you ever got into a, you know, wrestling match or kickboxing match with a bear or some sort of lion?
2: Yeah. Right. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've had some neat interactions and luckily nothing too devastating. Um, I've done, yeah, I boxed my, you know, a few kangaroos and worked with a lot of, you know, bears and lions and all kinds of other animals too. And rhinos and, primates and all kinds of stuff. I love working with uh, wildlife around the world. And then I work at a small animal exotics wildlife hospital in or near LA here where I live. I mean, you're pretty jacked up. So I'm just saying like, you can
0: probably handle yourself <laughs> with I don't know, uh, you know, gorillas and stuff. I mean, I would be and no offense, Danny, but I'm going to put you in my category wrecked, wrecked very quickly.
2: Oh, I will humbly admit a gorilla would rip me to shreds. Most of those animals would. I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy. You see the, you see just how powerful primates are pound for pound. It'll blow you away. A little baboon would just have their way with us. Let alone a big ape like a gorilla. Or oh, really? An orangutan. Speaking of the orangutan, I have to say, I love that the orangutan, and, and mind you, these guys are native to Southeast Asia, uh, spoke fluent Spanish in <laughs> Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, I thought that was really funny and surprising. But the movie does hold up. I don't. I haven't seen it since I was, you know. I don't know, Fourteen years old or something, and it is solid. And I also agree with Danny. I'm not sure what age range it's meant for because they're <laughs> right. I mean, it was they were very PG-13 at least. Yes,
1: so that was pretty funny. It's wild to do a movie about like talking animals and be like, but for adults, mm-hmm. like it's such a clear kids movie, and they were like, we're gonna go adult with it.
2: They did a kill. I mean, yeah, they did a great job because when we were kids, we loved it. It was an awesome movie.
1: It, it, you know, I think I remember really loving it as a kid, and I wonder. It's an interesting lesson in like. Oh, I wonder what kids can actually handle. Yeah, because I don't Mm. remember thinking it was that crazy as a kid. I don't. I I don't remember being like a crazy thing that we saw. Right. And look at and now as an adult, I'm like, huh, a child, (laughs) hearing these words, and it's like, oh, what actually, what, what, what's so bad about this? Yeah, I feel like it made it more hip
0: or something. Like anytime somebody would curse or relatively curse, get close to cursing when I was younger, I thought that was the coolest thing. So you know, I guess there's a part of it that's like, I don't know, Aaliyah did like the big song on the soundtrack. And, you know, Eddie Murphy's super cool. And now people are like yelling somewhat bad words. This movie's for kids, but it's also kind of cool. And then the adults taking their kids to the movie theater are probably super glad to take them again because they find
1: it funny too. Totally. I'm sure, it worked. It worked. It absolutely worked. It's a great movie. I, I really loved it. I had a great time the, last the night.
2: Cast too. The, I didn't. I didn't realize the the agent I saw. It, the cast was actually amazing for that movie. All the different voices, you know, starting with Ellen and everything. It was so funny. Oh yeah, the star-studded. Yeah, Th- that was one thing I definitely
0: did not realize as much when i was little i maybe would have recognized one or two of the voices but right. now watching it it's like i knew everybody that was in and it. it was so cool to hear like when gary shandling started talking <laughs> yeah. it's awesome so good so evan have you been i was talking to danny briefly about this lockdown that we're under are you locked down as well or have you still been traveling the world uh, the last few months
2: no i got back from my last international trip which was australia helping out some animals after the wildfires at the end of february i got back early March. And then, you know, word started spreading about in a you know a much bigger way about COVID. Some people knew before that, but it was pretty, pretty well known at that point. And yeah, man, I've not left town. I've not, I've not left anywhere domestic or anything. I've been just chilling in LA. And
0: before we get into more of the movie stuff, I know people are probably freaking out about their pets as it relates to COVID-19. Yeah. So you have, I don't know, some sort of like summary or breakdown that, you know, either we should worry or we shouldn't worry about our pets? Yeah, absolutely. I
2: mean, at the end of the day, you shouldn't worry. So let me just explain it really quick. Um, When it comes to pets, they're they're not just going to get COVID and bring it home and give it to you, number one. Number two, if they do have COVID, it's because you or somebody else in your household gave it to them. Number three, there's not been any dogs. I don't think they've been significantly ill or really ill at all. With coronaviruses, which, and this includes, if you guys remember the SARS 1 outbreak in like 2001, 2002, uh, Middle Eastern respiratory um, syndrome, MERS, then it's also a coronavirus. And then, of course, COVID 19. Cats are more affected by it. I don't, I'm not aware of any cats getting fatally ill from it or getting even significantly ill. Even the big cats, I don't know if you guys heard the Bronx Zoo had some tigers and lions and i think cheetahs and maybe some other cats then got sick with it and all of them as far as i know did okay um but cats and ferrets are more vulnerable to this virus and it can affect them more there's no evidence showing that cats have given it to a person every cat that we know of that has been positive has it's it, it's been very you know obvious that a person gave it to them whether it was a caretaker at the zoo or whether it was Somebody in a household where the cats that got infected were infected, and that was in Holland and Hong Kong. And there maybe was a case or two in the US, but don't quote me on that. But for sure, the Netherlands and, and, and Hong Kong. And so at the end of the day, what I'm telling people is don't worry about your pets giving it to you. And the, the really, the real concern is be, you know, worry about you giving it to your pets. So if you do have it and you do live with pets, especially cats or ferrets, even more so ferrets than cats. Um, do your very best to distance from them. And it sucks, but it's in their best interest. And especially if you live with other people and and you can distance from those other people and have them take care of the pets, that would be the move. But that's kind of the general basic thing I want people to know about pets, because some people are getting kind of crazy and relinquishing their pets, worried their pets are going to give it to them. And, you know, I heard some horror stories of what people were doing to pets in Hong Kong and in parts of China. And so I don't want anybody doing anything irrational. Or, or just rash that just is not in our pet's
1: best interest and it's not necessary. Okay, good to know. I feel like that narrative could be pushed harder. I, I would love it if people thought getting COVID meant their dog could get it. I feel like would create a significant mm-hmm. uptick in mask wearing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so let's get a quick uh, recording of um, Evan. Just basically say the opposite about what you
1: said. <laughs> a lie. Listen, I'm, I'm your saying you gotta lie. More. Yeah, your dog's no. gonna die. Let me tell you, yeah. people get the OC. Everybody wears a mask. If you tell them their dogs could get sick,
2: right? You could save a lot of lives here, Evan. No, it's, it's. I don't want to say it's too bad they can't, but it is interesting because I, I really, I think you're right, Dan. I think that would make a real difference. Yep, that's that really is a game changer, and people take their pets' health, especially these days. Even compared to when this movie came out, mm-hmm. in the last twenty years, we see we've seen such a difference in how much people invest and care about their pets and value uh, their health. You know, and it's it's um it's pretty intense these days. It's awesome as a veterinarian. It's great.
1: Oh yeah, people listen to veterinarians in such a different way than they listen to their own doctors, categorically across the board.
0: Yep, I respect my vet more than my doctor. I'm not ashamed to say it.
1: Everybody does. <laughs> Everybody true. does. I do
0: uh,
2: have, uh, friends that and they want to hear my medical input for their human health problems. I'm sure. Over, over. <laughs> I
1: funny. used to have a joke about this, where I was like, where I was like, everybody listens to veterinarians. Nobody listens to a veterinarians. Like, don't even your dog cannot have dark chocolate. Do not let them have dark chocolate. Nobody's like, you got it. And then our doctors are like, you also shouldn't have chocolate for the record. And we're all like, ah, eh, shut up. <laughs> it's like, what do you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> know. Ah, okay, who do you want you? And it's like, it's true. It's like nobody listens super funny. Um. Okay. So
0: wait, on the, the, the last thing about the virus is that it came from bats. It originated from bats or some sure. sort of bat pig sure. mix. And this isn't the first time, right? I mean, bats have created similar no. viruses. So w- should we create some sort of bat isolated island and just never share any sort of ecosystem with bats? Should they be on their own?
2: <laughs> bats play a valid role in ecosystems. So from a, a real ecological standpoint, no, bats are everywhere. They're in just about every continent. Shit, and they they have their role with with um they, they have they really have their role in the food chain. I mean, the insect populations would be very different. A lot of other animals depend on bats for food. A lot of bats are big time pollinators, and that's really important for plants and of course other species. So bats really do have right. a valuable role. And bats are an interesting animal. You know, they they have such high metabolic needs, and they uh, they have really unique immune systems where their immune systems just aren't as reactive to a lot of scary pathogenic diseases from other you know viruses and whatnot and so their immune systems just don't have a fit about a lot of these things and so and bats are implicated in all these sars viruses sars one mers covid 19 everything you know so uh it's just an a well, thing and the big thing really we just need to change how we interact with wildlife and so the laws in china about how they can farm wildlife and how it's done and, and, and you know, the, the sanitation and, and everything and how it's funded is just horrible. And it's, you know, you, a lot of people want to blame the farmers and the people catching wildlife and keeping them in these horrible conditions, of wet markets. But you do have to realize these people are broke. I mean, they don't have the funds or ability to do a whole lot otherwise. And it's really the government that needs to step up and say, hey, these people depend on wildlife for food. We need to change how they're going to farm wildlife or we need to change how they." Maybe you're gonna we we you know farm domesticated animals something, but it's you know they they have to they get they got to do something different.
0: So and going back a second, you were saying the bats have an incredible immune system. So are you telling me the answer's been in front of us the whole time? The bats that created the virus may have the cure.
2: Uh, That'd be a good twist. I'm really not an authority in that aspect. I mean, I think that is really interesting to explore. Absolutely, but um... <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I and I, I'm not. I don't even know if they. I don't know how. It, it was it, bats were implicated in, in with the virus as being the ones transferring it to people, making it what's called what we call a zoonotic disease. Zoonotic disease simply is defined by uh, pathogens like virus, bacteria, parasites, you know, protozoans, etc., that can uh, be transmitted from animals to people and vice versa. So that's where bats are implicated. I'm not sure we're we're saying that they, you know, they the the virus started mm. in them. I see. That's that's just where it became a problem. People, if that makes sense. Well, they still scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what animals can be in, uh, infected, carry it, get sick from it. We don't know the extent of that, not, not not by a long shot. You know, in the wildlife world, we're treating it as if any primate, as humans are primates, uh, are vulnerable to it, especially apes, the ones that are most genetically similar to us. So a lot of places that, you know, are doing, you know, protecting habitat or doing wildlife rescue for uh, whether it's chimpanzees or gorillas. Orangutans, you know, some of these the greater apes, um, they're doing really strict, you know, all in all out policy where if you leave creating a bubble, it, yeah, totally exactly what you're saying it's a full on very strict bubble. And they take it super seriously. Because again, we just we honestly don't know. We don't know how mm-hmm. Got to respect the bubble. The U.S. sucks the at that. The bubble yeah, works. the U.S. sucks at that. The bubble works. Get with the bubble,
0: guys. Jesus. Yeah. I'm
1: telling you. You watch You watch the box, boxing on ESPN for six weeks now. I've watched people come in and out of this bubble, and they've had no incidents. And I'm like, the bubble works. If everyone just did the bubble.
2: hundred percent. I mean, yeah, dude, if you don't get it and you're boxing and everything, you know, that's, that's a pretty intimate
1: <laughs> yeah. way to, if
2: to spread de- that. Really any uh, yeah. contact sport. I mean, that's a terrific way to spread this virus. And if you can respect the bubble, yep. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, jumping into something um a little more blissful, Dr. Doolittle.
0: At the beginning of this movie, he's talking to a dog. It's Ellen, like you said, adorable. And he asks, Why do dogs sniff each other's butts? And she kind of explains that it's just their way of like getting to know one another. He goes and sniffs his new principal's butt and gets in trouble. We all know the story. Uh, is that an accurate description? Is that why dogs sniff each other's butts?
2: Yeah, dogs and a lot of animals—they um, have scent glands back there, and they re- release. That's 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 a, a great spot to to have pheromones. Basically, come from, come from these scent glands. So, backing up a little bit, pheromones are basically a chemical means of communication. and It's by smell. It's just it's just you know smell input to describe how a pet is feeling or what or not I shouldn't say pet how an animal is feeling or what they're going through or you know if they're stressed if they're happy you know all kinds of stuff to basically communicate what their status is it's like their little social media or whatever you know I and mean, I guess they do it in person not digitally but you know it's just to communicate kind of a little bit more about this animal the they can learn a lot from each other from the pheromones coming out of of those glands and we don't do that we don't have pheromones going off in our. Um... Backdoor? no it's it's an interesting topic to be honest because i think it's something that can be explored a lot more um in the wildlife and pet world because pheromones can do great things i mean for example we have a, well, there are pheromones in the in the pet world with cats uh, and dogs but they're a little more effective in cats and they're like wall plug-in diffusers and sprays and the pheromones that are being sprayed in this application in households with say aggressive cats or cats not getting along or high stress cats um are the synthetic equivalents of lactating queens or a queen by the way is a a female mother cat intact cat Mm. and so these are happy pheromones these are meant to reduce stress in cats and we see up to about 50 percent of cats responding favorably to these pheromones being present there are also other pheromones like stress pheromones like you know you can get coyote urine online and i think a lot of that has to do (laughs) with with the pheromones in it to try to reduce you know, wildlife getting in your yard or cats or dogs coming in your yard or whatever, you know, so there's a lot more we can do there. And to answer your question about people, yeah, we do have pheromones, 100%. And it's just something that's just not talked about a lot. And we don't think about it a lot. And I do think it plays a bigger role in our lives than we realize. Hmm. And I wonder, you know, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys ever had moments and this is totally me speculating. I've not heard like another pheromone expert or or whatever, say anything like this, but have you ever met somebody and you just, you don't, you can't even put your finger on it. You just, you, you just, you don't want to touch them with a 10 foot pole. You know, you just, you just something about them rubs you the wrong way and you don't know why. I always wonder, are they putting off some pheromone that I'm just not agreeing with, you know, and vice versa, there's other people and you're just like, on paper, you're really not like that incredibly awesome, but I just really like you. You just seem super great. You know, and so it's like I wonder that, too, if it's just like a pheromone thing. But yeah, it's a, every every
1: vertebrate uses some sort of pheromone as far as I know. And and now and this is, <laughs> to be clear, probably a stupid question. Um, no, but, no stupid questions. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but like, let's say my girlfriend lights a candle that has like a vanilla scent to it because it makes her feel more relaxed. Is that a, basically a similar premise? to putting a pheromone that my dog would like in a, in the house?
2: No, so pheromones are designed really for interspecies, sorry, intra-species communication. So they're actually meant for communication, a means of communication between species. For example, rhinos, you know, will all poop in like the same area, you know, and then when they're all, you know, living in a, in a similar region or habitat, they'll poop in what's called a midden. And a midden is where they all go to the bathroom and poop, and that's where you learn a lot about rhinos. And so you'll see, oh, this guy—he seems like he's an alpha male. One of these guys is an alpha. male. Oh, there's a female. It smells like she's an estrus, and I want to go hook up with her. So I'm going to follow that that scent, that track, you know. And so it's all about communication, communicating between a species. And some pheromones can communicate across species, but uh, yeah, it's not—it's not—it's not just like a pleasing or or whatever smell that makes you feel a certain way. It's—it's it's really meant communicate within a species if that makes sense
0: but is it still something we're picking up uh through our or factory is that the right word uh senses like in other yeah. words we can smell stuff like danny's saying that is just pleasing or relaxes us but they're not pheromones and then we can also maybe simultaneously be picking up or sniffing or smelling a pheromone
2: yeah totally wow
0: okay so it's like yeah almost like different waves going through the air that like you can pick up ultraviolet rays or, or sound waves, but they're all kind of happening simultaneously.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, you're, you're totally picking them up. I think some of, so much of it is just basically kind of subconscious, Wow, you know, but I think, I think there's a lot of it every day. And it's, I mean, it's such, I just, as, as a somebody that works with wildlife and animals and pets, it's a huge part of their world and it, it plays mm-hmm. a part in their daily life multiple times a day, every single day. And so I just have to think, it must be a bigger part in our, our lives than we realize. But I, I think it has to be there. And it's just something we just don't think about as much because we're civilized. We communicate in so many other forms and we have complex languages and everything else. But I think, I mean, we are animals and we do have a lot of, you know, still have a lot of the basic instincts and things that we had as we were evolving. And I, I think that plays a bigger role than people people know. Wow. Okay, cool. So there's a, a scene also close
0: to the beginning where uh, Maya... Uh, Dr. Doolittle's daughter, is very excited about this swan egg that she found because when it hatches, the first thing it sees, it'll bond with as its mother. Uh, turns out it's an alligator egg, but it still comes out, this baby alligator, saying mama. So I wanted to know, yeah, if that was true for those two animals or if that's just kind of how it works universally throughout the animal kingdom.
2: Yeah, real quick on the egg, I just have to say this as a huge reptile fan and reptile nerd, Reptile eggs in general are, are leathery and kind of soft. They're very low in calcium compared to bird eggs, which are hard and brittle. Um, and so uh, an alligator egg looks it doesn't look like that. It's not quite the same shape and it's like a soft, malleable, leathery kind of you know it's thing. like hard boiled. Yeah, it's hard to explain. It's just like a really thin, soft, leathery kind of feeling egg. And they have, you know, they have an egg tooth and they, they that's how they rip through it, but they're not cracking this egg. It wouldn't look like that. Um, and then what you're asking about, yeah, it's called imprinting. And that is something that um, egg born animals often do. Uh, a lot of birds do that. I mean, a lot of reptiles are born from eggs. And other than crocodilians, which includes alligators, crocodiles, gharials, and caimans, um, most reptiles, if, if they hatch from an egg, they're basically equipped with all the instinct and knowledge they need to know to survive, okay? They're basically like a miniature adult, and they do not um, they do not imprint to anything because there's nothing there to mother them or take care of them or protect them. They just don't have that. Crocodilians are the only, really the the main reptile that does that where they will protect their young and they will, you know, the the babies can call for their moms and she'll come and see what's going on and make sure they're not in harm. Hmm. They'll guard their nests, they'll gently bring them to the water, The, the babies will bask on their mom in the water. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures or videos or whatever, or imagery of, you know, crocodiles in the wild and they've got all these tiny little baby crocodiles all over their head and their and their neck and stuff mm-hmm. that's usually mom and her babies wow. but birds yeah birds you know they are very dependent as babies they're totally helpless they're featherless they can't see they're not born you know by any stretch of any means able to survive on their own they're super dependent so yeah it is like an evolutionary adaptation for them to imprint on you know those around them and they you know assume that, that they're going to take care of them and in birds yeah birds can do that you get a pet parrot or something get at a really young age it totally could imprint on you
1: now two questions from my end uh one is that true of humans too because i feel like i hear a lot of talk about that about how like the baby gets born they throw it right into the mother's arms etc and i feel like now we're playing classical music for us when we're in the womb so i feel like that must be a, a if we're tracking classical music that early is it also true for humans? And then secondly, is there any uh, animal in the world that is as pathetic as a baby as human babies are? Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> uh, well to answer your second question, I think baby birds are right there. I mean, they are yeah, helpless, there we go. totally helpless. They've got nothing to survive. I mean, their beaks are soft. They can't fly. They can't see. They can barely move. I mean, they have their bipedal, you know, they walk on two legs and they, can, they just stumble around. I mean, they're just the most pathetic little things. Every bit <laughs> as pathetic as a human baby. <laughs> Then is also one hundred percent dependent, and so to answer your first question, because we are one hundred percent dependent, I you know I'm not an expert on the human um, you know baby imprinting or whatever it is, but yeah, I would just imagine that is an evolutionary adaptation to imprint on those around you when you're born because you need somebody to take care of it. You need something, and babies are, you know, we instinctually you know whether you like it or not, we instinctually find them adorable with their Soft features and big eyes and all that kind of stuff, just like we do, pretty much any baby animal. And um, mm-hmm. and so when we see a baby, we want to take care of it. Babies need us to take care of them, so they look adorable and they're going to imprint and want to whatever. And so, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's some form of that. I was going to interject,
0: just- and I was just going to interject and say that I'm for one, I'm going to try and advance the human race and make us less pathetic, so that when I. <laughs> have a kid as soon as they're born i'm just going to leave them by themselves in the desert
1: got it how at, at what age do you think a human could survive in the wild for the first time it's got to be up it's got to be like
0: most people can't do it as an adult, as a full adult i couldn't truly. survive in the wild by myself i mean i've
2: i've yeah. been to parts of the world that are very i mean beyond rural and it is amazing how worthless and pathetic i find myself which i don't find myself to be that on a regular daily basis in my reference points in the us or home or whatever but oh my God, you get out in the bush or the wild or the jungle in some of these parts of the world and I'm just, I bring nothing to the table. I'm just, I'm just a waste of space and a waste of resources for, <laughs> for these guys. If we were going to be stranded somewhere, it's so funny. But what I'm getting at is, is the kids that grow up around here, I think they could survive on their own in the wild at probably younger age than, than you guys would think. I mean, probably in, in some places, I think some of these kids could be like 10 years old. Yeah. And they have the knowledge, know-how to get the resources they need. They know what they can and can't eat. They know what they have to fear. They know how to get protection. They know all that kind of stuff from a pretty young age. So I think it all just depends on where you grew up. Uh, but I, Yeah, but that's got to make up like, you know, 1% of the population, oh, no, right? I mean, most way of us. Far, far, far less than that. I mean, this is a fraction, right. a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Okay, great.
0: <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
2: The break is over. Here
0: we go, back to the show about science. Um, Okay, wait, I had a little, like, mini quiz here for us speaking about what we view as intelligence. There's something called an EQ, an encephalization quotient. Do you know what I'm talking about, Evan?
2: Encephalization quotient? Yes. I've heard of EQ. No, I'm not super familiar with it.
0: Okay, good. That'll make the quiz more fair. So an EQ is an estimate of the possible intelligence of an animal, okay? So EQ of 1, 1.0 means that a species has the brain size that you would expect given its body size. So an EQ of 2.0 means the species has a brain twice as large that would be expected due to its size. This
2: this number is meant to represent Mm -hmm. actual like physical neurons or, you know, the actual size of the the central nervous system or, or the brain of an animal or actually their intellectual abilities. I,
0: I'm not sure. All I can say is that it's the estimate of possible
1: intelligence. Okay, okay. That's all, that I, that's all that I know. Right
2: on. And it just generalizes amongst species, basically. This species is a 2, this is a 1, this is a 0.5, whatever. Exactly. Got it.
1: I don't like that I wasn't asked whether I'd heard of the quiz before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny.
0: I should have asked you first, my friend. Have you heard of encephalization quotients?
1: No, I haven't. Never heard of it before. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: All right, so I'm gonna ask you the animal, and you tell me what the EQ is. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. sure.
2: Okay, what is the EQ of a dog? I mean, I have, and I have no reference here whatsoever. You,
1: a the dog, way, you yeah, what, what size going. dog, Your Honor? Whatever.
2: That's actually valid. Um, <laughs> that's not. <a>
1: <laughs> that is totally valid, and I don't have an answer. I mean,
2: uh, average size dog, dog. I've got like a little Chihuahua, mix, and he's pretty small. And his pretty small. Little, that's true. I
1: got a little mini Schnauzer.
2: I mean I don't would I would imagine they're like a you know they're they're more than one you know if you're looking across species dogs are very intelligent um so I would say I don't know say 3 or something
0: I'd put them down at a 2 according to this website it's 1.0 now I really? don't want to speak for this and I'm definitely not a, a judge deserving of a your honor your honor title there Danny but uh that's what I have here it's 1.0 is
2: this test is it only for mammals uh Does it yes I think so Oh okay that changes things cuz I'm referencing you know, all kinds of reptiles and other animals that, for their size, have very small right. brains. Yeah. But it's probably fair it's only mammals and upper vertebrates because reptiles, for example, don't have a lot of major components of the brain that we do have, or as mammals. Oh. So, okay. Okay, so dogs are one. Okay, that gives me some some reference. Okay.
0: Yeah, dogs are one. It's all about size, from what I understand. Expected size. Okay, chimpanzee.
2: I mean, so chimps, right? They're the size like of the brain. The smartest animal, or certainly one of. Um, the size of their brain is, I mean, like people, we have very large brains for our size. So I would say they've got to be, you know, I don't know, three or four again. <laughs> oh, I'm
1: okay. trying to, I'm trying to think cause chimps are big, you know, they tend yeah, to be and pretty I have, like big. a big
2: male chimp is like 150, 200 pounds, sometimes a little bit more. Um, yes, they're very, they 90, you know, 98 plus percent same genetics as us. Humans are known to have a large, physically large brain proportionally to our size.
1: Sure, but we only use whatever percentage is that people throw around. <laughs> uh, I think
0: we broke that on the podcast, actually. By the way, that but that's another topic. Damn. Yeah.
1: Okay. So then, uh, so I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna go a little bit. I'm gonna go at two point five. Two point five is exactly correct, wow. Danny.
0: Wow! 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 wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Whoa! Wow! Really, guys, the bubble works. Okay. How about <laughs> a dolphin? Very smart
1: uh 1.6 see this one i felt higher i felt like dolphins are higher so i was i was gonna go now i'm getting cocky i'm gonna go with a Nah, eh, no i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh i'll, I'll go two i'll go to 5.3 should have went with your gut wow. oh i almost went high i almost went high wow because <laughs> they can do because they can do all okay because the, they can do all those dances i was thinking of the dances they do Let's yeah what, and all those squeaks yeah, they do squeaks. And, uh, I am
2: failing this. You guys are just destroying my credibility here. Nobody's going to take me seriously <laughs> for the rest of the podcast.
0: Well, well at least we did work. it, you know, like 30, 40 minutes in. So, you know, they, they supposedly you, you know, structured already. You cemented your credibility first, and now I'm destroying it. Okay, last one, a human. What is the EQ of us humans?
2: I don't think we're going to be that different from it. So is, it, so is intelligence or size? I guess that's what it's I, straight, yes, uh size, I believe. Just, uh, I mean, I don't think we're gonna be that much different from a chimp.
1: I'm going to say, I'm gonna explain why I'm gonna go with my answer, because I don't agree with my answer. But I that's believe- That's really interesting. But I have noticed, this is a, if I were to be critical of science, science has a tendency to shit on humans. We always tend to not like our own intelligence, our own strength, whatever. We tend to always, we always put studies together that shit on ourselves. So I have four. I'm going to put us at a one. Or maybe that's what you're reading.
0: Okay. 1.5. That's my answer. I'm closer to 2.5. Guys, it's 7.5. Damn. I was wrong. Our brains are seven times bigger than they should be for our body size.
2: (sighs) I I would not have guessed we're that, that different than chimps. That's crazy.
0: I don't know. That's what I got here, guys. And maybe that doesn't go for all of us. I would put myself at more of a two. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Certainly.
1: Also, different sizes. Yeah. Evan's, I, I imagine, much stronger and bigger than me. That's right.
0: That is fair. <laughs> his brain's probably much bigger. Okay, they uh, sh- they have a shot where Eddie Murphy puts a guinea pig, uh, Chris Rock's character, Rodney, on top of his car while he's driving. And I thought that looked a little bit alarming. I assume people shouldn't do that. And, and also, would a guinea pig survive that trip?
2: I mean, technically... To be honest, I think it, if you're really getting technical here, yeah, I think it could survive that trip, assuming it's not like a super gnarly rough road and it's getting tossed around the whole time. But if it's, you know, it's it's going to be experiencing what seventy mile per hour winds if we're on freeways, give or take. Mm-hmm. As long as it can burrow its little face in some of the substrate and not be completely exposed to that high that high wind the whole time, and it has access to water, you know, because my concern would be like desiccating, just having so much air movement over you the whole time. And it's not in the element right. of getting snowed on or, You know, just if it was what it looked like, then technically yes, I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't recommend it. I've seen animals be put through worse and survive just fine. Not that I recommend any of that either. Can but, guinea uh, pigs
1: uh, can guinea pigs uh, experience trauma and carry it with them? Oh
2: sure, yeah, yeah.
1: So would it traumatize it?
2: Uh, maybe I don't know, but I, I could very. Right. I mean, guinea pigs are pretty straightforward, simple animal mammals. Relative. I mean, there's a lot of other more simple animals, but. I could see you doing that with a guinea pig and then you know giving them the resources that they need and giving them a more comfortable setting and they'll be just their normal selves i don't think he's going to be i don't think it's going to change that guinea pig. there you go yeah
0: i mean i was reading
2: piggybacking on what you're saying danny that like i mean
0: and i got into some weird stuff which we don't have to dive into as far as like animal telekinesis and people that are trying to communicate with animals in all sorts of ways Um, which, you know, feel free to comment if you, uh, have experienced anything like that, Evan. But, but essentially what I was getting down to is that animals actually live much richer lives than we give them credit for. Like they can remember things that happened in the past and they can think about what's going to happen in the future. Even animals like fish that we kind of like this weird myth or like, you you know, something we all accept that like, oh, they have no idea what's going on, but, but that actually that they do Total myth.
1: animal reunion videos on YouTube. Come on. Yeah, that alone. Yeah. Come
2: on. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. The more I've worked with animals, the more you, you just, you, you learn how much more intelligent than most people, including myself, ever gave them credit for. And the amount they can learn and retain and everything is they do not get nearly, I mean, even chickens. You know, you got a bird brain. You know, people say stuff like that. And if we're talking about birds in general, we're talking about, you know, that that brings up corvids like, you know, ravens and crows. And um, and even a lot of parrots, they're remarkably intelligent. You know, they can have massive vocabularies. They can do a massive amount of different feats, and you can train them to do things. They use insight. They use tools. They use all kinds of stuff that is way ahead of uh, a lot of other animals' intell- intellectual ability. And animals in general don't get, a, you know, they don't get the, the credit they deserve for their intelligence. And that's, that's all the way down to honeybees. I mean, you can train honeybees to do stuff. Wow. You know, if, there's, if, there's, if you can create an association between a behavior, a desired behavior, And you have a you know a motivation like a reward that they respond to. You can train a lot of animals to do a lot of things.
1: What animal has the most uh, actions? Trying to think of how to say this, uh, but I'm dumb because you basically teach an animal like you do this action, you get this reward. What animal has the ability to remember the most actions? per- Right, right, right.
2: Like how like the the animal you can train the most different things to. Yeah, thank you. Reward. (laughs) Basically, not, and that that's a technical way of saying it. But no, you made sense. I know what you mean um, Thank you. chimps are super up there, dolphins are super up there, pigs are very up there. Pigs don't get credit. Pigs are far smarter than dogs, FYI. Wow. I mean, in some ways, pigs are as smart as chimps, and you know, some people argue they might be smarter. I, mean, I don't think that's the case, but pigs are remarkably intelligent. Um wow. I would, it, I would say it's those three have got to be somewhere up there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was reading just as a shout out that the animals that were accomplishing these extremely complex tasks in this movie um, required, like, at one time, 45 different trainers on the set. And there were certain interviews I was seeing where it was just like, they were trying to, I guess, compare it to what it was like for a human. And they were saying, like, you have no idea how hard this is, like, how impressive it is that these animals are learning this, like, wide variety of commands and tricks and able to, you know, perform them that it would be like, You know, us walking on a tightrope with one foot, you know, with one hand in our on our stomach and one hand on our head. It's like what these animals are doing in this movie is like supposedly really impressive.
2: Oh, I mean, and the trainers too, to their credit too. My hat's off to them. They did a a phenomenal job. And when you just think about when the owl spread the god, you know, spread the word that there's a human that can speak to animals in that way in town. And then I mean, some of it was you know probably you know special effects or whatever. But when he walks into his his room or whatever, and there's like you know, like two dozen different species, you know, in the room. And not all of them are really there, but a lot of them were, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, dude, just to get all of that, those different species in a womb, cooperating, not being stressed out about all the other animals. And then we're, the things we we're talking about earlier, all those different pheromones flying around. I mean, that's, that's a thing right there. That's very hard. Incredible.
1: I, I, I was on a run for a while in my career where I did three or four commercials in a row where I kept being chased by different animals and uh <laughs> uh it, you, you they I had a bull wow and so I had a bull the bull the bull trainer that was very underwhelming because they basically it just seemed like they just drugged this bull just this bull was either drugged or had just quit on life but it was like so lethargic um wow uh I did the one that was the most interesting was penguins Oh, cool penguins were tough little critters not friendly these these penguins.
2: Oh, really? Whoa!
1: <laughs> they. You know what they, kind of penguin it was? Not that I know too many penguins personally. Uh, I I don't. I remember that they there was five of them, and they they're very packy. They like to be with a pack. Okay. And and yeah. what was this for? Can I look this up? I want to see this. This is a Mike's Hard Lemonade commercial. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to be chased by this penguin and by this by a group of penguins, but one penguin in particular, and uh. Anytime they separated one of the penguins from the rest of the penguins, the other penguins would lose their mind, and then the one penguin would be, like, (laughs) very aggressive. I basically wasn't allowed in a shot with a penguin. The penguin, I couldn't look at him. I wasn't (laughs) supposed to talk to him. He was very, very stressed. And at one point, they were supposed to have him on my chest, and they basically had to put, like, a sheet over my head and, like, hold this penguin from trying to murder me for the shot. It was uh, quite the experience.
2: I've, always, wow. I've, only, I've only worked with a few, but they've always been pretty cooperative penguins. I'll tell was, you, these
1: penguins were not so nice. <laughs> so nice penguins I got.
0: They got a hold of the Mike's Hard Lemonade, I think, which which brings me to uh, another question, which is, a, and I know we're running out of time here, so I got, I got two quick ones. One, the drunk monkey, would that little whiskey bottle get a monkey drunk? And then side question, is there ever a reason to give an animal some alcohol, like a little wine after a long day's work to help them relax? <laughs>
2: That monkey's tiny. I don't think it, w- it would take, vi- you know, very little. I don't know how much is in that bottle, but yeah, even an ounce of alcohol for a little monkey, I would be very concerned about that. Yeah, I think there's a good chance it would survive and everything, but it would get, I think, super wasted, especially since it most likely is not drank before. And then is there value to giving animals alcohol? Not that I can think of. I mean, the only thing I can think of is I've met a company I was doing actually a show with Vice and they make what they call cat wine. And they have all these different, you know, cat bernay and they have these cute little cat names with them and, Pinot meow or something. And, but really, it was catnip infused beet juice. Uh-oh. And then they, uh, you know, would give the cats the wine and let them kind of have fun with the catnip. But as far as actual alcohol to
1: animals, not nothing I can think of at the moment. How successful is that company? How big is the market for people that want their cats to have wine? Yeah, good call.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, they seem to be doing okay. It was just a one-shot place. It was in Denver. And I've heard of actually other people doing it these days. It was a couple of years ago I met them. But um, I mean, it's a cute idea. They, they had a rescue with like cafe stuff for people too. It was like a cat cafe. They sold cat wine. Do you guys want to expand
0: on that? Do you guys want to collaborate and have um, a company that has all sorts of like, you know, things that look like real hard drugs for animals?
1: I, I like that actually. That's a pretty funny idea. Oh, okay. Funny. I'll do the prescription okay. <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah, you think I was not
2: expecting that. And I don't know if you guys have experience with any of the uh, street narcotics or whatnot, but I think that sounds. We can talk good. off mic. Different herbs and catnips and stuff.
1: Sure. <laughs> if you can, if you can have some sort of dog treat that like has like that fake smoke at the end. Just so when the dog takes right. yeah. a bite out of it, the little smoke comes out. Come on now. Stoners would
0: flock to this product.
1: Come oh, yeah. on.
0: Get real. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then last question. Just really. You know, to end on an upper note here, there's a tiger that tries to commit suicide or um, threatens that he's going to jump from this tower. And I was just wondering if animals do that
2: ever, if there's animals that do commit suicide or... I had seen and had a feeling this was coming. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I mean, consciously, because they're, you know, in pain or suffering or whatnot, I I still, I still, I need to see this movie because I have not yet. I feel like in the animal world, I need to. When I was in vet school, my buddies told me they watched this movie called The Cove, and it was about dolphins in captivity, basically. As far oh, as I oh
1: oh yes, this this nightmare film, yes.
2: It's it's a it's sounds pretty rough, but my friend who I it was is a, he's a colleague now, um, and he's a practicing veterinarian, sharp guy. I I trust his judgment. I don't think he's a he's a whack or anything. And he's he was like he was insisting. He's like, no, dude, this dolphin really he plugged his he you know he closed his um his air hole and just he he killed himself he was like just so convinced and that's the what that's really stuck out for obvious tragic reasons but it's it's the one thing i can think of at least at the moment of an animal intentionally psychologically emotionally suffering and saying this is the end i don't i can't go on like this so i listen i've not seen the movie myself i've got to see it before i can really say it but that's the only thing that i can think of that would fall really? in that kind
1: of a thing. Well, I I I am a slightly I've been described as an anxious person and that is translated to my animals. And so I can say that I definitely have seen animals get very anxious. Like my like Oh yeah. we had a dog, we had a beagle growing up um and the beagle You actually I am so curious if you've heard of this before because we were told this was not crazy. But we came home one day and my beagle's eye had popped out. And what we, <laughs> we drove it to the vet, and they were like, this isn't super uncommon with beagles. If they get very stressed, it can lead to their eye popping out. Were we lied to, or is that a real thing that happens?
2: I've, no. Yeah, I've never, I mean, it's not uncommon for that to happen. And so, um Ethan, basically, so what we call proptosis, where the eye it like it's it's still you know it's not like the eyeballs sitting there on the floor it's like it's out of its socket it's attached in yeah, the yeah, face yeah.
1: There. Hor- horrific horrific
2: 100 percent super scary especially to see as a kid that's that's super scary that's a really horrible sight to see um i've I, never I was, seen
1: it without I'm fine for the record.
2: physical trauma <laughs> debatable you know or, or unless the dogs had to happen before it might happen on its own but or, or with i mean you there's got to be some kind of trauma or something Anytime I've ever seen, I've never heard of a stressed out dog, you know, that already has a predisposition to it because their, you know, their eye already, you know, has a lot of it exposed outside the head. Like some of our, you know, brachycephalic breeds or chihuahuas, they've got a lot of eyeballs sitting on the outside of their actual skull, right? Compared to other dogs that won't, wouldn't be as prone to that. But I've never heard of it just like you come home and, oh, oh, you know, you know fluffy prop toast again. You must be really anxious today. So no, it was, like, back in. was so stressed. And then they're like, speaking of which, you know, Danny, we want to, we want to take you to, it was just like, we want to take you to therapy. We're worried about you. Was this like some like, they wanted to, like I don't know, like they used it to just make you feel like you had something to do with it to get you to do something or something weird
1: like that. I don't think so. Cause it was the vet. Okay. The vet wouldn't know my personal anxiety history. Oh, uh, that's it was, right. That's it was, right. The vet said that. It was, it, but it's a good, and listen, it's a good theory. You, you floated it, definitely. I've been lied to by my parents many times about many issues uh, <laughs> so, and, that I've had to uncover. They
2: got into the vet first, so like, you just need to tell him
1: that the yeah. dog was stressed. Because uh, I, well, I remember we looked around because we were like, <laughs> something must have happened. Sure. And we looked around the house sure, and man. nothing had fallen, nothing had gone down. And so we brought him in. They were like, what happened? And we were like, we actually looked. We can't figure out what happened. And then they <laughs> said that. And then they popped it back in. And then it was always wonky. Whoa for the rest of its uh, life. it had a wonky eye and it was real fat. It was a disgusting looking dog.
2: (laughs) Obesity can predispose you to that for sure. And then being like the dog breeds like we we talked about. So hmm, yeah, I don't know. Wow.
0: Well, um i'm sorry that i let us down this path uh we were having such a good time i have
1: more horrific i have more dark. horrific childhood dog experiences if anybody wants to hear them, i got hundreds <laughs>
0: oh. great uh maybe we can all meet back up for dr Doolittle too i i don't remember dr Doolittle two at all zero percent i don't even know i I don't know if i missed it i don't know what happened but i did see that there is a dr Doolittle two with eddie murphy Did they make a new oh, one really they made a new one but I, I i gotta say i haven't seen it but the reviews were scathing
1: who, who I, was
2: Doctor
1: robert, downey, robert jr. downey jr i have uh yeah. they did a dr Doodle three your honor
2: yes that's oh, wow. please stop, stop calling me that but yes that is true i don't think i've seen any of those <laughs> I, did, I did obviously saw the first one but i don't think i've seen the sequel or the third or the new one were you were you speaking from experience
0: there Danny? are you a fan of the third one is that why you bring it up
1: no i th- i looked because i was like When when did the second one come out? And then all of a sudden, I saw a third one.
0: Yeah, this—the first one was such a monster and made Mm -hmm. so much money that it makes sense there were so many sequels. But yeah, maybe we can, uh, you know, meet back up uh, in whatever another half year when the U.S. is still closed down and talk about Doctor Dolittle two and all your horrible dog stories, Danny. I
1: got hundreds. Dark
0: episode. (laughs) Um, okay well listen thank you both this has been super fun Uh, where can people find uh, each of you Danny I also saw uh, which I didn't mention before that you're hosting a trivia show is that is that correct
1: okay so uh, yeah well kind of so uh, there's a company called don't tell comedy they do uh, that I love them they do a lot of shows uh, in everywhere but a comedy club basically Um, and so when all this happened we sort of were like well we want to do something creative there's time we were like what if we did something that was like interactive that was a little but still felt like stand-up so basically what we do is we do is not just a trivia show I, 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 every time someone says a trivia show i like i like have like a conniption because i'm like i'm not a trivia host <laughs> but what we do is we <laughs> host this trivia show but every category is presented by a different comic uh and so they do their own creative spin on it uh and we basically it's like it's like a show it's like an hour-long show um okay and it's really fun well, you can so, play along I, I do host it and I am a part of it and I am technically a trivia host, but, uh, I, I, I have a little tweak out over here every time I hear that word. Um, but I do do that. Uh, and that's every other Thursday. Um, okay. plus we're now doing, so we might be doing it for more places, but yeah, so every other Thursday at least, uh, and we have give out nice prizes, lift and liquid death are our two sponsors. Um, and then, uh, my podcast, everything but the scores, uh, is very fun fun sports stuff talk about the heavy issues talk about the light issues um great and then uh and then in general i mean <laughs> other than that i mean you know just sitting at home uh but you can follow me uh, uh at danny jollis on all things that means a lot that's it
0: absolutely thank you for joining us uh you're the best and you're the uh, best and doctor no I'll get real uh dr evan if you got uh something you want to tell the, the fine folks about
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very excited about a show I'm also doing with Seeker called Tusta Tales. It's on Facebook TV. We just aired episode two last week. Episode three will be airing tomorrow. Uh, And what we're doing, it's a short form kind of series. And we're just delving into uh, specific abilities or adaptations of specific species in the animal world. Um, Tomorrow, I believe, is cheetahs. And so we're talking about how and why cheetahs are so fast um, and so, yeah, we're, it's, it's been a lot of fun. The team is awesome to work with and we are getting into yeah. some pretty nitty gritty facts. Like I've actually learned a lot through, um, making the show with seeker. So it's been a lot of fun. And that's on Wednesdays that we get that up on Facebook. I'll share it on my Instagram too. That is also, we can find a lot of my work and that's it at, at um, Dr. Evan Anton, D R period Evan Anton. And then I'm also super stoked on my book my first book Oh, and go. yeah it's called world wild vet and it's basically just it's kind of my story since um you know being a young wildlife enthusiast you know in college uh involving in vol- into a you know a veterinarian that works with wildlife and, and wildlife conservation and um yeah a lot of fun stories crazy wildlife crazy animals around the world all kinds of weird, you know, nutty travel and tropical diseases. And it's fun and happy and it's sad and it's everything. And it's, it's been a real adventure to write. And that, that, so there's pre orders open now, but we're releasing that on October 27th. But we've just been like finalizing just the last little things. And I'm, I think I'm like one short edit away from being completely finished with the actual work in the book. So I'm freaking stoked about that. It's been a lot of work
0: nice well congrats I can't wait to read the book
2: yeah thank you guys I really appreciate
0: it yeah of course and welcome to the seeker uh, biodome they are the best uh you know if you need any uh if you need any help with that I'm sure they will help you I don't know anything uh about anything so I won't be able to assist at all I want to tell people uh my my band the cooties I keep forgetting to bring this up on the on the pods uh, has released a new music video it's called the calling go check it out on youtube All right. uh, thank you both so much um, I really had a great time and yeah talk to you next time see you later
2: awesome thank you guys nice meeting you
0: Danny right,
1: great to meet you man
0: bye bye Bad Science is hosted and produced by me Ethan Enberg our associate producer is Emily Felt our engineer is Jeremy Schmidt Bad Science is edited by Lucas Bollinger and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media shout out to EJ and Kate and the executive eye popping out of a socket deucer is Brett Kushner Oh, follow us on Instagram at badsciencepod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at atseeker.com That's badscienceatseeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.